listening to another Hopefield message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Well, we had a great morning in church, and if you're visiting tonight, wherever you are, whatever campus you're in, and uh, if you're online, we're in week two of our series that we've called Checkmate. And uh, it really is about understanding that we, as God's children, are in a war zone. And sometimes we aren't taught clearly that God is preparing His church to take back the ground that belongs to Him. Uh, I had a dad before he died, and particularly when I was a young boy, loved to play chess. And so he taught me how to play chess. And he said, one of the things about chess is you can't just turn up and play on what you see. You need to learn to play many moves in front of where you find yourself. And the ultimate goal in chess is to ensure that the opposition's king is positioned checkmate. In other words, there is no other move that the opposition's king can make. Tonight, I would like to really go there because I I feel like God is wanting to raise up an army of warriors that are committed to going, enemy, you've taken too much ground for too much time in the generations that have gone before. That you are not going to have your way with me, but like Pastor Scott said last week, we need to understand the war is won and yet we need to activate the battle we have today. That God wants to prepare us to this position of kingdom living where the enemy literally bows beneath our feet. The Apostle Paul begins to write in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. And this is really the foundation to these four weeks in our series called Checkmate. He says, finally, my brethren, I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In other words, you need to realize that you're in a spiritual war. Your natural intellect, your natural strength and gifting will not enable you to overcome an enemy that's standing opposing you. But there is a strength, there is a supernatural empowerment that God wants to bring your way. But for that to happen, verse 11, he says, you need to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, and I love this word, you may be able to stand when the enemy comes against you with his wiles, his schemes, his plans to take you down. You're not gonna be amongst those that bow down. You're gonna stand because you've surrounded yourself with the armor of God. You know, I was just driving in tonight and I thought it's an amazing thing how we think when we're committed to God, it's just gonna be easy. If it was gonna be easy, why would God give us an armor? Why would God say you need to dress up like you've never dressed up before because the enemy is working around you to pull you down and I want you to learn to stand to daily put on that armour. Sunday is not enough for Monday. It's not enough for Tuesday and sometimes, you know, we go around and around in circles. Why? Because we're not putting on the armour, understanding the enemy is actively against us. Verse 12, you realise we're not fighting against wrestling against flesh and blood. That word wrestle, by the way, is a picture of a wrestler who when they were able to overcome the opponent, either with their foot on the throat or hand on the throat, they were declared a winner. 
And it's kind of like God saying, you realize you're going to have to go eye to eye, face to face with the enemy. And your hand is literally going to have to come around his throat to cut off the oxygen that he has in your world. And when you begin to do that, you'll begin to experience the breakthrough power. Come on, of Jesus in your life. We wrestle not, by the way, with people. Your problem is not the people you work with. Come on, the problem is not the people you've married or the person you've married. The problem is not flesh and blood. But listen to this. You are wrestling. I want you to get this tonight. Come on, every campus, Melbourne, north, south, online, here in central. You're wrestling today against principalities. I wonder if you stopped this week or last month. I wonder if you've stopped throughout this year and going, wow, I'm in the middle of a huge battle. There is supernatural powers attacking me, attacking the purpose of God in me, attacking the relationships that are good for me. They are the rulers of this age, the darkness of this age. They are spiritual hosts of wickedness that wrestle in heavenly places. Again, he says, therefore, would you take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day? And again, having done all to stand. You know, as I was just preparing my heart this week, it's like I was kind of taken on a journey by the Holy Spirit and I, and I saw Christians everywhere and I have been one of those. We're in the heat of the battle when the enemy has strategically gone after the vision and the purpose of God for my life. I found myself stooped down in the middle of the battle. I found myself overcome by what's happening that I don't understand. And I get caught up in everything that's going around. And do you know that Paul says that if you're going to put the enemy in checkmate, you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to lift your head beyond the challenge. You're going to have to literally realize that after you've done it all and it hasn't worked, the answer is stand. You can't fight with flesh and blood, but you can stand. I want you to learn to be at a place where your victory is discovered when you stand. You know, I was sharing this morning, quite honestly, I, I don't come to church as the pastor and just blurt out all of the challenges Marie and I or in our own world that come our way. You, what you do realize though, when you are prepared to take ground off the enemy, then the enemy comes at you to kind of try and get, if he can't get you personally, he'll get those that you love. He'll attack things that are around you. And, and I've got to say, I think this last 12 months have been our hardest 12 months in ministry. And that may surprise people. It doesn't mean we're jumping off a cliff. Some people text me today and says, oh, are you okay? I'm okay as long as I'm standing. But the enemy doesn't want me to stand. He wants me to bow down and look at all the issues and the unexplainables. And he wants me to give in and give up. But Ephesians says, no, would you stand? And we are in this place of supernatural war. And, you know, I was sharing this morning and just very quickly tonight. If I were to take you to Virginia Beach, which I go to many times, Pastor Stephen Sharon Kelly pastor there. It's a military city. So you talk to Christians in the church, just about every family has lost somebody they love in war. 
So they realize to fight means there are casualties. Many of them that I've met that have been in the elite forces have lost limbs. But that's what happens when you go to war. Come on, I want to go somewhere. Because some of us are getting confused as to why is it so tough? And, and, and why did that happen? And why did that take place? And, and we don't realize that victory includes loss. We don't really realize that there is a cost to conquer the enemy. And so rather than giving up and getting all kind of overcome by what's happening, we've got to find something deeper that causes us to stand higher. And to begin to say, the enemy, you think you've won this, but because we're standing, we can see the end. We can see the finish line. And as we look back, we can see Calvary. And so we stand in the middle of our battle and say, you may have shot one of us, but it doesn't mean you've won the war. You may have taken something away from us, but that doesn't mean God is fully able. And I shared about a dear couple in our church, Jason and Lily. And Jason and Lily are heading up our whole central building project. Dear friends of ours, in fact, they're like a son and daughter to Marie and I. And uh, some time ago, they were pregnant with a little baby that was lost, was miscarried. And I just saw them walk through that and the ache of that and the challenge of that. And yet they were able to go, well, we don't understand, but we know where the baby is. Because the Bible says that, come on, the enemy has no hold over these unborn young ones, the ones before they have the ability to make a decision, they're all in eternity. And then Jason and Lily fell pregnant again and we were so excited. I, I remember going up to Lily and just putting my hand on her belly as it was growing 27 weeks and a couple of weeks ago. She's a midwife. She discovers that there's no movement. And so straight away goes to get a check and the prognosis is not good. There is no heartbeat. And the challenge of that seriously ripped my heart out and only a measure of what it would have done to them. And so there they are in hospital and, and I said to them when I dropped in, I said, I didn't want to come because I just know that this is not fair. And yet as I got there, I, I, I could feel the challenge, the darkness, the battle. But on the other side, there was this incredible couple. Knew what it was like to feel like, what's going on? But already, we're beginning to stand. And I don't know if there's many darker nights or days where you've got to go through labor to give birth to a child, 27 weeks old, Noah, Job, Donnelly. Saying there is no heartbeat. Naturally, there is no answer. And yet, as we sat and talked and prayed and worshiped, to hear them say, we know that's the case, but God can bring breath to bones. And so we're gonna go through this and we're gonna believe that when he's born, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to do what only God can do. And, you know, you, you can be all natural about it and go, well, it would be worthless because if he hasn't had oxygen for a couple of days, then his brain will be gone. But God is a creative God. And so 
they stood and said, no, we're going to believe that God can bring breath. But they didn't stand in this kind of hyper faith. They also stood and said, but if God doesn't do it, he's still God. And this is in the end of the story. And I'll never forget that night as Lily's going through this incredible challenge and Jason lights down, music up, worship music, hands in the ear, tears running down his cheek, all of us crying and believing God and just going, God, but you're still God, we still stand. And little Noah was born and prayer was made, but breath didn't come. And then talking to them afterwards as they grieved, which is what we do and right to do. They said, you know, Paul, when you do the memorial service, can, can you make sure you tell people about Jesus? Because we don't want the death of our boy to be for nothing. I wonder what the enemy has used to cause you to be positioned, dictated to by the battle. Rather than God taking you to a level where there is pain, but that's because we're in a war zone. We go, well, why didn't God stop it? Well, God knows we're in a war zone. That's why He equips us to walk through that war zone. As I said, when you're in the military side of life, you understand that's the cost of being at war, being in a place. No, I, man, I'm not even gonna get to my points tonight. Who gives a rip? You know, I'm going so many weak Christians. I want to be like Jesus. Serious? Yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Okay, you're prepared to be scarred? See, See, my view is I believe Jesus will carry his scars into eternity. But the scars where there is no affection. Come on, because he stood in the middle of the scar and said, God will use this. And he was able to see the purpose of the Father when he couldn't see it naturally. And so we need, like him, to learn to stand. And that's why this message is, come on, church, you want to learn to war effectively? You, you want to learn what the key is to go through the things that you can't explain? You want to find light in the deepest of your darkness? Then you're going to have to stand. And to stand is to live with an elevated view. To stand is to realize that we're in the wartime, that we will go through loss. There is pain. There is the unexplainable. But as we stand, we can see the finish line where there is no more pain and there is no more death and there is no more sorrow. If I were to take you, and many of you have heard the story of me meeting a Navy SEAL many years ago. And I just loved the way that he was trained and he told me some of the things, some things he said are classified, I can't tell you. But then he told me he was married, had a little girl and his wife was about to give birth to a second girl and he had a little beeper on the side and I said, what's that? He says, if that goes off, I go to war. And he says, if I go to war, I don't know where I'm going. I can't tell my wife where I'm going. I don't even know if I'll come back again. And this little kind of Palangi pastor from New Zealand said something I shouldn't have said. I said, well, that doesn't sound very fair. To which he shifted. 
And he didn't look at me, he looked through me. And he says, you don't understand that I was born for the freedom of the United States of America. Do you know the reason you're on this planet? Is to engage in a war with the enemy. And it's going to cost you something. But it's not about you. It's about what God's going to go and do through the scars that you're prepared to carry. To bring an answer to others around you. You know, the enemy always targets playmakers. If you're into sport, you'll find the playmakers and you'll seek to shut them down. And I want to tell you, you want to be a part of life, you're going to have to be of those that wear an army, an armor. Come on, because we're here to take ground progressively, increasingly from the enemy. And we're going to learn to stand in the midst of the darkest of nights and we're going to keep on walking and say, enemy, you might shoot one or two, come on, bullets and take one or two out but you can't stop what God has begun. And God is going to cause us to stand. And so we need to stand, come on, and live with an elevated view. Once you get out of what's happening around you, you begin to see God. You begin to bring strength. Second thing, we stand. Why? To remain positioned at our post. I don't want to go to war with a whole lot of people that don't keep their post. You see, I can keep my post, but if you don't keep your post, we're all vulnerable. And I think God is calling a whole lot of people, stop mucking around. Stop allowing the enemy to lie to you. You've got something to stand and to protect. And you've got to start seeing the purpose of God as collectively we begin to move forward in the purpose of God and cause that to happen. I, I don't want to read more into it. But I know the enemy is at work and it's, it's, it's no surprise that Jason and Lily are taking a forerunner's position for us at life. It's not just central building, it's us as life. Melbourne, all of us, there's a breakthrough coming and people are standing up and, and, and you know, you go, well, well, you know, you can't just say that. I'm, I'm, I'll say whatever I like. I reckon there are more things the enemy is getting away with because we're not praying like we ought to. Come on, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is in weeks to come. One of the armour of God is praying. We, we need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for the purpose of God in New Zealand. We need to be praying for Melbourne. We need to be praying for the things of God. Whoa. Then we get to the armour. Paul says, well then, would you stand therefore? Again, third time, Stand. Say, man, I, I can't get the breakthrough. Stand. Tonight before you leave this place, stand. Melbourne, stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Make sure you put on the breastplate of righteousness and you, you've shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, would you take the shield of faith? Because as you take that shield, you'll quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, praying always with all prayer and supplication. If I were to coach, even people in the sports arena, I would say you need to learn defense before you activate offense. See, the church is being preached to like we can do anything, have anything we want. The promises of God are yes and amen. And we're stepping into offense, but we have no defense. And if we can't weather the storm that the enemy's going to bring, how will we ever take his kingdom down? And there are three primary 
defensive parts of the armor that God says, you've got to put this on. Paul says, put it on daily. The first we touched on this morning, the helmet of salvation. You're going to put a helmet on your head. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Paul calls it the hope of salvation. Literally, put on a helmet that causes you to have confidence that you're saved. The, the moment you say to God, God, I'm a sinner, would you forgive me? He takes our sin and He causes us to realise that we're not His children because we're good enough, strong enough, able enough, perfect enough. No, we're His children because He saved us. Oh, I spent most of my teenage years kind of backsliding through the week because I got with the wrong crowd and I'd swear and feel so condemned by it until I realised that God could handle a swear word. Come on, of one of His teenage kids. And so I didn't let it cause me to condemn myself. I, I had to learn to put on a helmet. Come on, if you've given your life to Christ tonight, I want to tell you, put your helmet on. Don't allow the enemy to concuss you. Even in sport, rugby league and, and union, they have an HIA, a head investigation assessment, head injury assessment. So if you knock your head with somebody else's head or maybe a shoulder or an elbow and they think you might have been concussed, you're taken off to see if you've got those symptoms and if you have, you don't play. Come on, I reckon there's a whole lot of concussed Christians. The enemy's playing with you. Oh, you're in the kingdom. You're out of the kingdom. You know, you'll never make it. You're not good enough. And so we live condemned. But let's get the helmet on and say, rack off, airy legs. It's kind of like, I'm wearing a helmet. I'm, I'm somebody who is gonna live out the purposes of God. I got my beanie on and it's a metal one. Come on, and I'm gonna live this out no longer. Are you gonna lie to me, devil, just because I had a hard week and just because I gave into a little bit? You know what I do? When I give in, I bring it back to Calvary and say, God, I'm sorry. And God says, I know you can't do it, son, on your own. That's why I gave you Jesus. Just keep your life free by being in forgiveness, being in a state of repentance. I love what Priscilla Shira says. She says, receiving salvation is not the same as applying salvation. Oh. See, the first redeems us, but applying it restores us, protects us, shields us daily from the attacks of the enemy. So I put on the helmet of salvation. What does that mean? Daily, I declare my standing in Christ. Devil, I'm not perfect, but I've got one that is living on the inside of me. Come on, I'm going to declare to the devil tomorrow and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm God's kid. I'm no longer a slave of fear. Come on, I am a child of God. Maybe tonight God wants you to take a helmet and he needs you to wear it all through this week knowing that you are right with Him. The second part of the defensive armor is we need a breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14 talks about this breastplate. It was a metal shield that the warriors wore that guarded the vital organs, particularly guarded the heart. It's an amazing thing. The Bible often talks about our heart. You see, our heart is the seat of our emotions. Our brain is our thinking, but our emotions are wrapped around this picture of our heart. 
When you live with a damaged heart, you can't pump efficiently enough blood to bring the amount of oxygen needed to keep your whole body healthy. In fact, it says when a heart becomes weak or thickened and stiff, the heart muscle cannot keep up with the necessary workload. A weakened heart has these kind of symptoms, shortness of breath, fatigue, lightheadedness, racing of the heart, loss of appetite and confusion. Sounds like a lot of Christians to me. Seriously, I'm not saying this as a put down. Come on, I don't know what God wants me to do. Why don't you get a healthy heart? You go, well, how do I get a healthy heart? You put on righteousness. Come on, you're, the righteousness of God wrapped around that vital part of who you are. Today, you don't go to war. You don't even enter the police force without a bulletproof vest. Because if the heart is damaged, it damages the ability of that warrior to do what he or she is there to do. Righteousness and is literally living in a way that God approves. See, we want to water it all down and have God fit into our lifestyle, but God is righteous. And we need a helmet of salvation that declares to the devil we've given our life to Christ and His blood has forgiven us and so we can stand. But then God says, you've got to wrap around your heart if you don't want confusion. If you don't want shortness of breath. If you don't want to be somebody that keeps on finding yourself with getting fearful and your heart begins to race and, 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 and you're lightheaded, you can't make decisions and just get on with things, then you've got to come back and make sure your life is mimicking the righteousness of God. Even wisdom speaks in Proverbs 8.18 and says this, you realise that with wisdom there are riches and honour, they're with me. With me are enduring riches, note this, and righteousness. My fruit says wisdom is better than gold. Yes, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice silver. And I love verse 20. I transverse the way of righteousness. In other words, when I find a righteous life, I step into that life. And I begin to bring the blessing of God. Well, why isn't my life blessed? Maybe because we're not wearing righteousness. It's like, we can't, well, yeah, but you are not righteous. No, we aren't. But we have a robe of righteousness we need to wear. In other words, we need to take God's way of living, no matter what society is doing, and we don't compromise. We wear it around our heart because we want to protect our heart. The enemy wants to damage our heart so that we can't walk forward. We can't take ground. And what we do is end up with a church that's sitting in pews saying, feed me. Come on, just do it for me with somebody. I didn't like that today. Why didn't you get a righteous heart? And you'll be bringing oxygen to it. Who? God wants you to align yourself every day. Come on. You're living the way He wants you to live. What's the key is daily determined to live God's way. I'm daily going to declare I belong to God. But then I'm daily going to de determine, is this what God wants me to do? God's given you a conscience. Come on, let it speak. Is it okay? How far can I go? It's not how far you can go. It's where can you take God with you? Is He able to be in that situation you're talking about? 
That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, I encourage you and I beseech you that you walk a walk that's worthy of Him. Come on, in a, in a day where everybody is compromising and all our friends are doing it, so why wouldn't we do it? God says you can do it, but then you take the breastplate away. And your heart is going to be vulnerable and it won't be long and you'll be out of breath and you'll no longer run your race. And you'll blame everything else, but you didn't wear the breastplate. Come on, you got the helmet, but now you need the breastplate. You need the beanie, you need the breastplate. Come on, and you need the belt. What do you mean the belt? Well, again, our waists need to be girded with truth. Come on, team, come and join me here in Central. Part of the armor was to put this belt on. And it was the belt that kept the breastplate and many parts of the armor secured to the soldier. And it's interesting that Paul writes and he says, make sure you're girded with truth. You need the helmet of salvation. You need the breastplate of righteousness. But you also need your waist girded with truth. I've been sharing over the last few months because I'm disturbed that in the church, broad spectrum, we're going, well, you know, the Bible's fuddy-duddy, it's old school. And as I've shared recently, no, the enemy always wants you to compromise truth. So on my watch, come on, on our watch, we're gonna come back and say, no, the Word of God is the revealed piece of who God is to humanity. And so we're going to wrap, come on, around the centre of who we are. We're not diminishing the gospel. We're literally wrapping truth uncompromised by human limitation and intelligence. Again, in Melbourne tonight, north, south, central, online. Listen to Psalm 119, 101. The psalmist says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed, O God, from your judgments. For you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Then I love this verse. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Come on, if God says don't do it, it's His truth. God says you can do it, it's His truth. And I want to wrap my waist. What's that core strength? What's your core strength? Your own ability or is it the truth of God's Word? Truth is considered crucial by Paul because a dishonest Christian cannot hope to withstand the father of lies himself. When we compromise truth, we buy into the lie of the enemy. And yet, when you have true core strength, if you go into the gym, make sure you do your core as well as everything else because they will teach you that core strength enables everything else to stay in balance. In fact, core strength is what protects your spinal cord, which is so essential, come on, for the transference of everything you are to everything you are. Spinal cord has its protection because of core strength. And I believe that God is wanting to raise up an army that are gonna go, you know what? When I read Ephesians 6 
And I discovered that what the enemy means, means for evil, God will use to good. And the way to do that is not to get caught up with the things I can't understand or control. Talking to some of these incredible men and women, military men and women who I've had most to do with would be in Virginia Beach. They don't look back and go, I wish that never happened. They stand before the flag and they say, victory costs. Imagine if we were a part of a generation that stopped looking back and wondering why. Lifted our heads and said, God's going to use this devil. You thought this scar was going to stay infected. I've got a scar, but it's a scar of victory. So I can help others that go through exactly the same thing and say, there's a God that you can bring into this. The pain is there. You rub it, it will get inflamed, but the infection's gone. And I thank God we've got a Savior that's prepared to be scarred for us. But tonight, you go, Paul, so how? How do I live a life where I know the enemy, principalities, powers is coming against me? How do I begin to put him into checkmate? Put on the defensive armor. Every day, put the helmet of salvation. Tonight, you're here, you're in one of our campuses and you know you're not right with God. I wanna tell you, Jesus died, His scars are so that you could be free. He takes away all the ground that the enemy's got over you right now. The moment you say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry for my sin and I give my life to you. Put on the beanie. Come on, the helmet of salvation. Wrap around your heart, responding the way God wants you to respond. You don't just compromise and there's no effect. No, the heart is weakened. And it's like the enemy stands on your throat and he begins to take the oxygen out of your Christian walk. And before you know it, you're weak and you go in the way of the world. Come on, let's get his foot off our throat. Go on, I'm gonna start living righteous. Because wisdom comes into the pathway of the righteous, brings the blessing of God. Then my core strength, I'm going to wrap around my waist, my belt will be truth. I don't know how to express this because the time has come to an end, but God can handle your truth. Come on, we're in a world where everybody's compromising and saying partial truth. When you begin to tell the truth, come on, God begins to set you free. Let's get truthful about our weakness. Let's get truthful about God's Word to our lives. When we fail, let's be truthful with that. When we succeed, let's be truthful with that. And let's begin to be warriors where the enemy can't do it. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. I'm believing we're all going to stand and live a bigger view. We're all going to stand. Come on, position ourselves on our post. If you need healing, you've come to life, you've been through a lot of brokenness. We're not asking you right now in your position to stand. We're here to see you healed. But then we're going to do the ward round. Say, come on, you can get up there. And then you're going to stand in community action. You're going to stand in business. You're going to stand in kingdom. You're going to stand in church. And you're going to make a difference. 
because even a few people not on their post can cause the whole army to suffer. But we're going to learn to stand. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.